I'm Matt Dixon and welcome to the Purple Patch podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch podcast. As ever, your host Matt Dixon. And let me tell you this. You don't need to be the loudest voice in the room to have a massive impact. In fact, you don't have to be in a position of classic leadership or power to guide people to improvement or better performance. Today, we dive into the power of the quiet leader. Those who enable positive change in performance while not in that classical hierarchy position of authority. All can learn from this. And... If you listen, Miss CEO or Mr. Coach, you're going to realize that you've got a tremendous amount to draw from the messages today. If you're not stuck in the mindset of belief that you need to have all the answers, then you're not drawing on all the performance potential that you are almost certainly surrounded by. So I hope, 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 whether listening through the lens of athletics, business or life, you too are able to draw lessons from today and become your own fierce leader of influence. It's all for our good, you know. But before we get cracking, we've got a few bits of the puzzle to get through, don't we? Yes, the squatty update. Well, let's nail down an update for the week. And as I record this week's show, I'm actually in Kona. Yes, Hawaii. We're here for our annual training camp. Not in the studio as normal. And it is, in a word, windy. Now, We're used to the wind out here, but the first few days have been, well, crazy. Many athletes and riders are just simply not comfortable in really windy conditions. But many here have already adapted with a few key tips, and so I thought I'd share today. If you're a bike rider, you like riding outside, but you're not maybe the best handler, hopefully across just voice, I can get a little bit of touch of help for you. Four main things. If you're riding in the wind, four main things. Number one, and very, very simple and in your control, wheel choice. Now, in your wheel choice, the most important wheel is the front wheel. That's critical because that's the wheel that's not weighted by your booty sitting right above as it is on the rear wheel. And so, very simply, choose a very shallow wheel up front. Very important. But the amount of people that show up to Kona Camp every year with deep dish wheels, well, you get the picture. But number two, and bear with me here, lean with the wind. If you're riding in conditions where you have a crosswind, you want to do the counterintuitive thing. You don't want to press your shoulder into the wind. And I understand that it sounds abstract, but instead, you should actually lean your bike slightly with the wind in the direction that the wind is pushing. And then you adjust the, adjust the body to sit centrally with a very mild counter steer of the bars so that the wheel is very subtly just turned back into the wind. Now, all of this is subtle, but it's important. If you lean into the wind, as is natural, I've got a lateral fall, so I'm going to press my shoulder into it. All you're doing is creating a nice little pocket of bike and body where the wind can get trapped into and just lift you up. Lean the bike away, sit central over the body, a little bit of counter steer. Number three, hold tension on the chain. 
So many athletes just stop riding because of really natural and understandable fear, but that just turns them into a sail. So instead, pedal on and put it in a bigger gear. Slightly slower pedaling with consistent pressure creates that linear force to overcome the lateral windy friend. And finally, and again it's tough, but stay supple. Much easier said than done, but if you stiffen up and grip tightly, the bike is just gonna move all over the place and you're gonna be much more likely to tip. And so instead, be supple, be soft, even though you're getting blown around, allow a little bit more of a floating action and you're gonna begin to find your place of comfort. This is the most important checklist. Get the wheels done and then lean the bike with the wind, tension on the chain, staying supple, and before you know it, you're gonna to start to dance with the wind rather than fighting it. And, you know, romance is always better than violence, don't you agree? You don't have to love it, but if you're faced with it, you must make it your friend. And this week, we've seen so many athletes overcome with smile on their faces, whereas beginning the week, almost refusing to saddle up. It's been a great week and highlights the real value of a training camp. Skill acquisition, education, been vastly more important in the long run than, of course, all of the good training that we're doing here. And so, we'll finish the squatty update with the usual promo. If you'd like to get involved with training with us, we'd love to have you join the community. Being educated, being a part of a committed community, so much so that we've had athletes tattoo the P logo on their skin. Yes, that's true, it happened this week. But join us, purplepatchfitness.com, look at the options. Whether it's one-to-one -one coaching or joining the squad from a remote wherever you are in the world, we'd love to get you involved. And now, Barry, it's Kona, it's ukulele, let's hit it, Dixon style, the word of the week. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wink. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dixonary word of the week. And the word of the week this week, athlete of the year. I know it's a phrase. Athlete of the year, what's he going on about now? Well, congratulations, Purple Patch Pro, Chelsea Sodaro. 18 months since elite runner, Chelsea Sodaro joined Purple Patch, dabbling in a flash of ITU short course triathlon racing, and then she decided that long course racing was the thing that provided the draw. And at the start of the journey, just 18 months ago, we set a path to include at least a couple of seasons of 70.3 or half Ironman distance racing. And in year one, 2019, she had a great progression on the journey. Four Ironman 70.3 wins, a fourth at the World Championship. And here comes the word of the week, USA Triathlon recognizing Chelsea as the elite long course athlete of the year. Chelsea, congratulations. But... The reason I chose this as word of the week is these types of awards and accolades, they really only show a part of the picture. Because the key component here was that the first season, 2019, was just the first part of the project. A really positive kind of brick in the wall, as it were. But don't fall into the trap of thinking that it was all rosy. In fact, throughout this season, Chelsea had to navigate a host of setbacks, some physical challenges as her body learned to absorb the multi-sport training and load. She navigated almost three months of really limited running. And in fact, we couldn't even begin to do my, high, my highly favored high-torque strength-based riding. She managed to excel 
while navigating challenge. And it was a lesson of learning how to train and of course finding the right recipe for herself. And I think that this is really important for us all to remember. You can't just celebrate the outcomes, but instead we must immerse ourselves in the process and recognize that the resilience, the retention of focus, the commitment to decisions, rational decisions that support personal development, those are the big things to celebrate when yes, the wins lead to accolades. And so Chelsea, yeah, She's gifted physically, really gifted physically, but her success is not going to be due to that. It's going to be due to her extreme coachability and smart decision-making along the way. And that is why the word of the week this week, we get to celebrate, and it is Athlete of the Year. Yes, this week's word of the week. And now it's dinner time. Let's get on with the meat and potatoes. Yes, the meat and potatoes this week, the quiet leader, having influence from within. It's going to be short and snappy this week, but I really hope that you get something out of the couple of case studies that we talk about. Real life case studies, I can promise you that. But before we dive into the details, I think it's important for us to frame. And I want us to frame how I believe people thrive. And this can be in business and in sport, in life. And I've spoken many times about this. But one of the observations that I have is that most people grow and continue to grow and improve in performance when they have three things. The first, some form of empowering mentorship coming through a manager, a mentor, or a coach. They also typically have someone to lead themselves or to guide on mentorship. So in other words, role reversal, playing the leader. And finally, They're immersed in an environment where there's wonderful peer-to-peer support. Close your eyes, picture that. Because from this structure, no matter where you are in any situation, you, yes, little you, even you in the back trying to hide and not let me see you, you have influence. A performance imprint is on your doorstep. But don't take my word for it. Let's talk about it. A couple of real life stories that help promote the idea of leadership and influence from inside out. Now, you might, knowing me as you do right by now, expect a story of an emerging pro athlete claiming influence over the established pros. Well, you're right. We do have that story. But that's coming. I'm going to tell that story second. The first, I want to come away from athletics completely. And I want to talk to you about the business world. And in fact, I'm going to tell you a story about Kelsey. And Kelsey is, to my mind, an incredible office manager. Now, she had a large imprint on her own performance, but also all of the people in her office that surrounded her. And I want to tell you the story. And you might listen to this and you might think, goodness me, I've been here. So Kelsey had been at this company we'll call it Company Q, for several years. And she now, as we find her in this part of the story, seems to be in a place that she's operating in an environment of negativity and frustration. The question is, why? Why has the culture 
gone caustic. Well, the executive team has decided, here's the word, to make a change. Oh, the word is scary. Change. They've changed the systems. And those changing systems would, almost undeniably, would lead to a positive imprint on both team efficiency and customer experience. So the end result of these changes was surely a good fit for all. What's not to love so far? But, but, around Kelsey, it has been a tough transition. New systems, a new way of doing things, evolutions in roles and expectations. And I think we should realise, before we go on, as we've said many times before, many people, just at a human level, really struggle with change, learning new things, even when that change is great. And so if they don't understand or are forced to adapt, and particularly adapt behaviours, it becomes incredibly tough. And many, many people just are not change-able. And one example of this was John, as we'll call him. And I think, in truth, what happened with these changes that, at a customer level or a company level, was undoubtedly positive. What happened to John is he found himself exposed. He had many new duties, and while new, very much capable, he had to learn new things, And the old tricks and shortcuts that he got away with in his old position, they just simply didn't work anymore. And the changes, in truth be told, exposed a little bit of laziness. And now his job, well, it would require more meaningful engagement. And ironically, that engagement would, and I think this is important here, it would boost company performance. It would boost his productivity. It would enhance customer experience and the outcome of his more meaningful engagement would be both greater financial reward all the way across for him up to company success, but it would mean a little bit more work to get there. Ironically, kind of, what happened as a result of these changes is he kind of had to do the job that he was hired for. Well, the change happened. It was implemented. But the truth of that change is the executive team, yep, them upstairs. They just didn't do a good job of setting the stage. This is the why. They completely missed it. They'd already arrived. They'd gone through all the meetings. They'd made the decisions. So the why to the team, it was never really given. They also failed to really tell the team what the journey would look like, what the expectations were. They didn't manage to lay the path out so that the only outcome was that questions and confusion could take hold, could take the grip around the culture. They also failed to really paint the picture of what success looked like for both the company and the customer. And most importantly, perhaps, and certainly importantly for John, what this change really meant for you, offered John. And this is what John's role was in it. And without this clarity, it almost immediately led to that hostile work environment. It led to pushback and creeping negativity. In a classic sense, they skipped and they rushed the storytelling. Let's just get busy doing. And when they got busy doing, frustration kicked in. Now, at the hub of the frustration, we come back to our hero, Kelsey. 
the office manager. She seemingly had no influence. After all, she didn't make the decisions. And much of her job was mostly impacted by the rest of the team. And yet, she got the brunt of the frustration. She sat in the middle of the office and was the glue that held the fabric of the team together. Now, this whole situation, you're probably listening and thinking, it needs leadership. And it arrived. Leadership came. But it didn't come from above. Frustration bubbled, efficiency dropped, apathy, all that word, apathy crept. The supposed gains were outmatched by the complaining on the floor. Day after day, week after week, Chelsea just found herself hardly able to get into a rhythm of work. As soon as she got started, another worker complained to her, distracting, adding to the negativity. And you know what would have been easy? To join in, to add to the frustration. She found herself frustrated. She could have easily broadened the divide, the team against the executives. And who was the worst culprit? John. Who was impacted the most? John. He became the leader of the internal dissent, and he looked for allies in annoyance, bathing in his bitterness. Kelsey bore the brunt. It was tiresome and distracting, but the easy passage would have been to join in. Instead, Kelsey took a different tack, one that I'm going to call empathy with boundaries. Because as John was the vocal leader, and others quickly joined the fray and started to see Kelsey as a wonderful place to talk about their frustrations as they walked from one desk to the bathroom, Kelsey took the brunt. She realised she needed a way out. But there was no need for conflict. She didn't want to embarrass John. She didn't want to shout and scream. She didn't want to dismiss There were teammates, there were employees, they were in it together. So instead, what Kelsey did was incredibly smart and somewhat brave. She opened the door of discussion, but she added boundaries. Very, very simply, here's what she told John. I hear you're frustrated. It's difficult. It's challenging for all of us. And I agree. I have empathy. I agree that your communication was terrible from above it could have been improved but and here's the but I Kelsey need to do my job and so here's what I propose John let's grab lunch we're going to set aside a time and I can listen I'll listen to your frustrations I can hear you in fact I'll help if I'm able to but what I cannot do is listen every day all I can do is focus on my controllables and must continue to pour my energy into the tasks and roles that make up my job. Because one thing I know is this situation that we're all frustrated by isn't changing. So what I'm going to do is all I can do within my control to do my job. And I'm going to support others in doing their job. Brave? I think so. Very strong words. So what was the result? Well, the result in the short term was... John was a little overtly hurt. But in reflection, Kelsey did nothing wrong. There was nothing for John to cling on to with that hurt outside of him looking in the mirror. 
and so over the longer term, his behaviour changed. He stopped going to Kelsey. And you know what happened from there? Others stopped going to Kelsey. No one went to Kelsey. In fact, they didn't go anywhere. And over time, the team just started to get on with it. Now, was it all rosy and did everyone sing in cheers at the end of the quarter with great profits and everyone being successful? No. It was tough. Frustrations continued, finally evolving to getting to the passage of effectiveness that everyone hoped for. But make no mistake, it was a miss by the executive team. It was a mission not to share the vision, not to secure buy-in, not to paint the picture and the role for each individual, not to support the team. And the outcome was that it made that transition much, much tougher for everyone, and it delayed the expected positive outcome. But the leadership, leadership here, luckily, didn't come from above, but from within. And the imprint was effectiveness and management of the situation. What could have spiralled for everyone's detriment, everyone on the team, and of course the company and the customers, instead created essential holding patterns and ultimately a path to success. Not the CTO, CMO, COO, but office manager, the quiet leader. By example and humble words that provided empathy with boundaries. And so a lesson is that yes, leadership takes courage every time. It takes conviction. But it's often about actions and honesty. And sometimes hard or difficult conversations. And there's always a risk. But with real honesty and maintaining focus on the controllables, everyone, all of us, can yield and improve. And so, my snap shot words for this, empathy with boundaries. Maintain rational thinking. No matter the situation, I must do my job. Control the controllables. You might be lost, frustrated and confused. But light comes when you stay anchored in the mission and nail the basics. All the things that you do have control over are the things that are going to pave the way to success. And finally, take care of your side of the street. Anytime you moan to someone else, you're simply diluting yourself. You're not moving forward in your arena. When I put it like that, it's all really pretty simple, isn't it? Well, let's move to case number two. And let's step back into the athletic world. And now we venture on to elite performance, or what we call our professional athletes. Pro camp. These things are tiring affairs. Let's paint the picture. High, high training load. Swim, bike, run, repeat. And with that training load, and lots of intervals and lots of endurance work, strength training, a critical component, a pillar of performance, but over the course of the camp, strength training takes a back seat for the whole week or so. Now, in addition to this training load, we have group discussions and education. We have individual planning and feedback. We have skill acquisition. And we have a lot, and I mean a lot, of eating. The kitchens look like the crossroads point in a Costco, where the staff have just released the latest batch of those samples. You know, those things, the quick snack pizza pockets. Which, by the way, as a tangent... I find very bizarre 
the vast majority of people that are piling on top of each other just to get one small taste probably don't even like them, certainly would never buy them, and yet are willing to be close to starting the next world conflict just to get their freebie. Lots of lessons in there, folks, by the way. But anyway, back to the pros. They are, by all accounts, close to capacity. And the one piece of advice that we always give and is often ignored is, hey, you really should try and get a little bit of core conditioning and a little bit of foam rolling, our prehab program. We want to keep the tissue healthy. But of course, it's human nature. It's the first thing to go. Always. It just tends to fall out of the back almost every year. And so, two years ago, here comes our hero. A new member to the team. Less accomplished. Less of a name. Less experienced. New to Purple Patch. Day one of camp. Male pros, female pros piling in the calories. Post-lunch, she went to the living room. Private, but in a large open-plan house, quite visible. And as the team sat around, finishing up their food, she went through a routine. Core, mobility, seven-minute foam roller. She returned, and she didn't say a word. She just did it. Now, as I sat there, I noticed, but... I kept my mouth shut and my eyes and my ears open. And it barely went noticed. Day two, lunch, the big feed, the same setting. And the same pro went off to the open living room. Core, mobility, foam roller. One of the other pros asked, what are you up to? It's core o'clock, 10 to 15 minutes of daily. It's just my ritual. Giggles and a few jokes permeated. I said nothing. Mouth shut. Eyes and ears open. Day three. Big ride. Late lunch. Nap time, surely. Core o'clock, anyone? Guess what? One person joined. Day five. It was team-wide. It went from observation to opt-in to almost culturally impossible to opt-out. It was a team habit, a basic. Year two, day one, the whole team. And the new athlete on the team that year? Of course, they didn't even question. This is just how it's done at Purple Patch. And so, that little pro, brand new, not from above, but instead a bottom-up implementation of a small but important habit that spreads. And interestingly, it wasn't just core, but this is exactly how post-workout fueling came into the habits of all Purple Patch Pro athletes. This is exactly how, at the bigger level outside of camps, the engagement in strength training came into play. Yes, there is education from above. And that comes from me and the other experts. And there is some individual reinforcement from me, the feedback, the course correction. But it's incredibly difficult to make it cultural without someone leaning in to be the first, to be the lead. And guess what? Most people want to follow, but they do not need to follow up. Because 
in a high performance environment, people are drawn to excellence. They're born drawn to positive habits. And so your consistency of actions are critical. You will leave an impression and an influence by what you do. And it's going to be much more of an influence than by what you say. Because you, yes, you listening, holds power of influence. And it is greater than you imagine. And it is, as I've said before, no accident. 5.30 in the morning, every Tuesday, every Thursday, the first two people in the swimming pool, Chelsea Sodaro, Purple Patch Pro, Sir Michael Morris, Sequoia Capital. Excellence is a behaviour. How you lead from any position is everything. And here's a secret. People might not say anything to you. Oh, but people notice. They notice. So, troops, much more to come on this subject. But for this week, well... I bet your wheels are spinning a little bit. So let's keep them spinning to next week. We're coming in with a cracker next week. As you go through, keep in touch with us. Social media on Instagram at Purple Patch Fitness. On Twitter at Purple Patch. We're going to do a lot of educational updates from the rest of the Kona Camp this week. Almost daily. Keep in tune. We'll try and give you everything we can to make it fun. And for you to, well, feel like you're having fun in the sun with us instead of being in your little miserable basement or wherever you are. But I say adios and look forward to next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care.